This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how are you doing? I'm recovering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not terrible anymore. I, I got over it after one day, I think. So this probably wasn't as bad as the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not like completely over it. I'm still a little mad. And if you ask me who I'm rooting for, it's totally the Eagles right now. But uh, I'm getting there. Um, I'm not devastated anymore, I think is the big one. Yeah, I think there's so many different feelings. I, you bring up a good comparison because obviously the Super Bowl is still pretty fresh a year later, uh, that loss. And then thinking about this one and and again, I'm not we're not going to get into the officiating, how it all ended, all of that craziness or anything like that. We talked about that after the game, but just how close they were again with those opportunities to possibly go back to back Super Bowls. So, yes. That, that bothers you a little bit, but at the end of the day, you look back on it. This team went to the Super Bowl last year. They go to the AFC title game this year. Um, still feel like the future is extremely bright, and those contracts have not hit yet. Uh, you still have a lot of your stars returning. We'll get into more of what the free agent outlook looks like. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to focus on, and we have talked about it plenty on the podcast, and you can kind of go back to that Kansas City game not the Buffalo so much because the backups definitely stepped up. You're without your three offensive linemen. And if you compare kind of where you were in the Super Bowl to where you are in the AFC title game, it really did come down to your offensive line. And if you had just maybe one or two more guys healthy, this team is is going back to the Super Bowl. And you could say in the Super Bowl, this team is, is possibly winning a ring with, with one extra healthy lineman. Yeah, I think we both had the knee-jerk reaction uh on monday's podcast what's the biggest need we both said offensive line i think just because the wound was fresh and we saw what happened in 2021 happen again and that's that's what stunk it was just like the offensive line failed like that's 42 percent pressured and he was at 2.5 something time to throw like mahomes was also pressured a lot but he was i think over three seconds on his time to throw so he was waiting to get that pressure it didn't really feel like he was getting pressured that's the thing when that pressure was coming fast when chris jones and mike dana and carlos dunlap even was getting there and frank clark and all these guys are getting there and just owning the line of scrimmage it felt like they couldn't do anything because there was even run plays where i the Chris Jones is the big one that sticks in your mind where he destroys Max Sharping on a power play and makes the makes the tackle at the handoff, basically. And then somehow Mixon's able to only make it a loss at two, but it was just, oh my goodness, this is this offensive line is a disaster. And it's the one, it's one of the ways that the Chiefs, I don't want to say it's one of the only ways, but it was one of the ways the Chiefs could really slow down this Bengals offense was Chris Jones masterclass. And then to go with that the Bengals still tried to double and triple him the entire time. They always were sliding to him or trying to keep the tackle tight or whatever. Didn't matter. He was beating those. And then when you do that, you give advantageous angles to the other rushers. And those guys were just smoking the other players. It was, it was very rough. And then the worst part was uh, the Christian sack to end the game. Oh, I hated the protection call. There was no help for Hakeem Medenji on the right side there. They slid away from him, and they didn't give him a chip. It was basically like what you would do if you had Lane Johnson over there, <laughs> but it was a backup right tackle. Um, so he predictably lost. <laughs> backup right tackle that struggles against power, going against 
Chris Jones, who's like 300 pounds of pure muscle and explosive get off. So that stunk. Um, I have gone back and watched the offense. I have not watched the defense yet. Plan on doing that soon. No content this week. Uh, just, I don't think people are going to read it. I, I just, I'm just going to get that out of the way. I don't, who's going to go back tomorrow or today, I guess, when you're listening and read about why they lost the AFC chip? People know. People are fine. They're like, we know the offensive line stunk. We know what happened. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things, and, and we talked about it on Sunday night's podcast, and and when, when I hear that conversation start, I heard it today in a group chat where it was like when Joe Burrow threw for a first down on the third and 16, you thought deja vu, this team is going down the field to kick game-winning field goal, or they're going to win by a touchdown, even though the offensive line has been pretty bad the whole entire game. You look at Joe Burrow's fourth and sixth throw, which I wish we were putting on loop and highlight right now, because I think that's one of the throws you look back on and say, well, this is why you draft Jamar Chase, and you thank God that uh, Joe Burrow is your quarterback, because that took some guts at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But overall, you know, I I do think the reaction is, I think a national reaction to the offensive line is, oh, Cincinnati still has a bad offensive line or, you know, you got to protect Joe Burrow. You got to, of course they have to protect Joe Burrow, but I felt like they did okay with the moves they made in the off season. You want Lyle Collins to work out. Alex Kappel was one of their best offensive linemen. I love Ted Karras out there at center and Jonah Williams. He still has to play better, but I'm not down on Jonah next year with the fifth year option. I, I just think that, of course, if you had a few of those guys, this is a whole different game plan. There were opportunities for Cincinnati, the Hayden Hurst touchdown that he should have ca- he should have caught, Mike Hilton interception in the red zone, didn't catch that one. And this is where you're at in a game where, you know, you did have those opportunities. I heard Rich Eisen actually say it best. He's like, you have to play better than the refs ref a game. Um, and and those and those opportunities were missed for for this team. And that's unfortunate. But I'm just not as down on the offensive line blueprint picture what they had going into the 2022 season I don't think I can hammer their front off and say you didn't do enough and to be completely honest with you I don't trust the front office when it comes to picking out offensive line talent in the draft but it's on the table it's on the table for the first round pick and the second round pick. I think tackle is what's on the table with those first two picks you could theoretically upgrade left guard, but I don't think they will. And I think they're fine with Volson. I thought Volson was okay as a rookie. He got he got walloped in the championship game, but he did the walloping in the divisional round. So mm-hmm. give and take with a rookie late fourth round pick, it it happens. Uh, you want to see improvement next year to make sure he has that spot solidified. But I think he has that spot this year. I think you theoretically could upgrade, but. Just communication. There's a whole bunch of stuff to go with that. He should get better. I think it's fine to have him stay at left guard. Um, the tackle spots. I think Jonah's set at left tackle next year. I don't think Collins is set at right tackle. And that's partially due to how he played, although he got better towards the end. Um, it was actually kind of a roller coaster. It started really bad. And then it got a little bit better. And then it got a little bit worse. And then it got a little bit better. <laughs> so, But he, he never had a game like what Adenogy had. In the championship game, um, Adenogy went from, I think he's a solid swing tackle to might be, uh, might not make the team next year. <laughs> I think Carmen showed a little bit more than he did uh, in the playoffs there. But yeah, the reason Collins, you don't know if he's ready for the start of next year. He had a late ACL tear 
uh, what was that December? It was snowing and cold. I, it was I Christmas the day before Christmas. It was Christmas Eve, I think. Oh yeah, it was. It was Christmas Eve. I remember where I was now. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Eve. So that's pretty late in the year. And even if he is ready to start the year, is he ready? Ready, or is it like when Trey Hopkins was ready to start the year and he kind of he kind of stunk for a little bit there? So I don't. I'm not opposed to drafting the offensive tackle in the first or second round, um, just because. You have insurance. I think for the right side, uh, if you're going to try to draft one for this year, but and also Carmen has experience on the left side. I think he's done enough to make the team next year. I don't think he's done enough to start next year. So you you now have a backup on each side, maybe um, if you could find a right tackle at like pick or like 28, 29. I don't know. Twenty nine. Uh, twenty nine. Okay, I picked twenty nine. Uh, you have you could find a right tackle and one that could theoretically start right away just in case Collins isn't ready, but waiting in the wings, you need a left tackle of the future. Cause I'm not sure after two games, that's Carmen. Uh, but, and I'm not fully opposed to them drafting one in the first round, but I would like somebody who might contribute early on, but yeah, that's right. With the offensive line, you could also get somebody in free agency. My take on free agency has changed where I didn't think they were going to spend much money. And now I'm thinking, why not make a big splash? Just one, what? I think. But like they are fully in position. My guy right now that I'm thinking is Javon Hargrave for the Eagles, who's awesome. He's a great pass rusher. What were they missing to me? What were they missing in that championship game? A pass rush. It felt like I was the only one getting consistent pressure, and their second best pass rusher in that game was the nose tackle. You don't want that. <laughs> so you get a Javon Hargrave and you're able to get consistent pressure. It takes a lot of pressure off of Trey Hendrickson as well, who got so much attention from them because he was he normally was able to beat Orlando Brown quite a bit in these games, but they gave chips every single snap pretty much. And he is not the type to be able to take that late chip and do what Miles Garrett can do with it, where he just spins off of the contact and does freak stuff to get the sack still he's more the type that wants to run through somebody so when he takes that chip it kind of just takes it on the body and keeps trying to rush forward um didn't work out so that's there but if you have a javon hargrave on the opposite side or same side it just it makes you think because remember what was the big deal with the rams it was that they had donald and von miller this wouldn't be aaron donald von miller but it's the same idea put one on each side who are you going to help um, if you're going to help to the tackle, then Hargrave has a one-on-one. -on -one. If you're going to help to Hargrave, then Hendrickson has a one-on-one. -on -one. So if you trust those guys to win those matchups, then I think it helps a lot. I think that you could add either edge or interior defensive line, but I just think it would be easier fit if you got like a Hargrave. It would cost a lot of money. He's 30 plus. You probably do like a three-year deal. That's really a two-year deal. And you can cut him before you got to start paying real money to people. Because remember that the extension to Burrow and, Chase and Higgins and stuff doesn't kick in for a few years. I think 2025 or 2026 is when the window uh, gets more difficult. So why not make the push? Why not just push all the chips in for the next two years? That's what I think I would do. Yeah, I think this front office mindset has changed since 2020. You can go to March of 2020, a month before they drafted Joe Burrow with the moves that this team has made. And I think that's a great idea. You you have to invest in that pass rush. And you bring up a good point. What did you see in the Super Bowl? What do you see from this Eagles team? You can credit the Chiefs mm -hmm. when you look at a guy like Chris Jones and what they've been able to do, the pressure on the quarterback. You truly get a Lombardi when you have trenches. 
when you have the protection and you have the defensive side of the line. And that's one thing that I think we're really going to see and what's going to be a big difference in the Super Bowl game for the Philadelphia Eagles versus Kansas City is just, you know, who wins those trenches. And I I, I feel like it's going to be Philly, but we'll get into what that looks like next week. At the same time, uh, why not? What if it is one guy? You bring up a really good point. You know who he is. You need to see it. it developing guys in a draft is hard because you truly don't know if they're going to be good at the NFL level. I think Cincinnati's front office has done a phenomenal job going back to 2020. You could say 2021 and just this past year alone. Well, we'll see more of what that looks like from the production side next year with Dax Hill starting. And, you know, maybe Tyson Anderson is someone who, you know, gets a full off season. He isn't injured and, and his first real season in the NFL is going to be next year. So I, I, I like that. And I think that, your mindset has to be let's let's start early and this still I I I know it's Joe Burrow's it's going to be his fourth year next year but it doesn't feel like Joe Burrow's fourth year because of the rookie year injury uh it really does feel like you're going into year three with this quarterback doesn't work that way when it comes to his rookie contract um but you have to be smart about it I still feel like on the offensive side you're not losing a whole lot of of people you do have a decision to make on Lyle Collins let me ask you this though we'll stay with the offensive line we, we, you mentioned Hakeem Adeniji, and I agree with you. I thought maybe this guy would possibly be back next year as a depth piece, and, and maybe that's what we see in camp, and they decide to do that as a backup. But at the same time, Jackson Carmen in the last few games, you went back and watched the tape. Did Jackson look okay compared to what we saw with the rest of the offensive line? I, I don't think anybody looked good in that game. Yep. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, did he look better than Adenji? Yeah. Did he look good? No. Um, that just, they all struggled. They all had their struggles. It was disappointing. <laughs> you don't you don't have that type of offensive line performance if there's guys playing well, in my opinion. I think everybody struggled. And, I mean, like, Kara's probably the least. He also had the easy, easier job. And how much do you detract for a guy who can't, who's getting beat when he's trying to do a double team? Like, I feel like maybe you subtract a little bit more i don't grade though so like i just watch and develop my feelings about it doing so um but i mean i think he was he wasn't good but it was better than what identity or sharping gave you for sure i think it was better than what volson gave you too he might have been the second best but it was just second best in that game it's like a four out of ten three and a half out of ten like still not good (laughs) Joe Burrow, man, him to get off any passes in that game is pretty incredible with with the timing he had and just just taking all the pressures and sacks. Um, absolutely brutal. But, you know, he always gets back up and he throws for an incredible pass. But when it comes to Jackson, I felt like we were in an agreement early on in most of the season that they'd probably move on with, from him this offseason. What do you think now? I don't think you do. I could see it, but I don't think you do. I think you did enough. Um and showed that he can actually be a, I, I'm scared to say it, but a decent backup uh, after those two games. If he can play at the same level he played those two games, that's that's a decent backup. That's fine. <laughs> so you kind of keep him around. He's cheap. Uh, you're probably not going to find one more bang for your buck there. Uh, so I would think he's back, but I wouldn't say it's a lock. I just think I think he did enough to earn a spot on the team next year. My issue in my mind is he could back up left tackle. I've never seen him play right tackle, and 
he seemed to have a real big issue switching inside. And I know it's a big issue to try to switch sides. And he's not even he's never been good with his feet. So <laughs> switching sides on that, I feel like it'll get worse. Um, but I don't know. Can he be a swing tackle? Maybe he works on right tackle stuff all offseason. Because the thing you know about a lot of swing tackles is that they can play both sides. You think of when I think of swing tackle, I think of um Billy Turner is like the first guy was like, he can play right tackle and left tackle, more right tackle than left tackle. These guys usually have a preferred side, but they could do either one. Uh, and I'm not sure Carmen can do that. So I still think you keep him either way just because he's cheap. And maybe you do a left tackle and a right tackle as your backups. But yeah, I don't know. I'd keep him. Um, but I don't, I don't think he did enough to steal the job from Jonah Williams, who people seem to hate nowadays. Yeah, I don't like any of that at all. If Jonah was out there, I feel like they would have looked a little bit better. And even, I mean, goodness, if Alex Kappa, if he would have had one more week, that guy yeah. uh, would have been a difference maker. We saw it in the December game versus Kansas City. With Jackson Carmen, I kind of agree with you. It's 50-50 for me right now. But I think their whole plan was, yeah, they started him at guard first and the possibility of being a future right tackle for them. I didn't see it being a left tackle situation. I still felt like they believed in Jonah Williams, but look, this is it for Jonah. Um, I don't I don't know what his future looks like in Cincinnati, but I'm not down on him. Um, he still was a huge part of, of this season in the line. And if some of these guys don't get injured, it's it's a whole different story, I feel like, um, in this title game. But we move on. There's a couple more questions I want to talk about with the offensive players when it comes to contracts on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A lot of reports, a lot of conversation. Um, there are a lot of people worried about Cincinnati's contracts when it comes to their quarterback and their wide receivers. How are they going to pay this team? Uh, I have a feeling. I feel like... Obviously, the conversations can finally happen with Joe's agent and the front office when it comes to his extension. I don't feel like this is going to be a situation where we're waiting a whole nother season before it comes to life. I think they come to that extension pretty early in the contract talks. What would you think the outline blueprint of that contract would look like for Joe? For Burrow? Yeah. Um what I would do is give him 50% ownership in the team as long as he plays. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, Bur I mean, Head Stadium. Burrowhead, uh, yeah. Re rename Paul Brown Paycor into Burrowhead. And then you're like, guys, guys, yeah, we weren't talking about Arrowhead. We were talking about Burrowhead, where we are. <laughs> Could you imagine if they were like, we have a new name? Paycor Burrowhead Stadium. Burrowhead Stadium at Paycor Field or something like that. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I think I think you're looking at, in my opinion, you're looking at at least fifty million a year, mm -hmm. um, average value. Sounds scary. Caps going up. Um, you could, it could set the market. I think it's the big one. So does he push for sixty? Possibly. Is he worth it? Yeah. So he could. <laughs> Does this team need him? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they, they have a chance to do the fully guaranteed thing, and I don't think they want to. Yeah. So when you consider that, you think, well, how do you how do you offset big guaranteed cash? Some guys you can't do that for. Um, money? 
eventually docks. And if you're Burrow, you're pretty sure you're going to get all this money. So do you get a little extra per year so that the guarantee doesn't matter as much? So in my mind, you do. I love the Patrick Mahomes deal. I do too. I, I think that the quarterbacks, they just, they cost more and more every new contract. So he's what, like 10 years, 500 million, 50 million for the next 10 years. I love it. Do 10 years at whatever he wants. Because by the time he's in like year five, when that money's really hitting, quarterback contracts will be like 70 million or 80. Yeah. So yeah, I, th I think it's just going to keep going up. You could set the market, do such a long deal that you can really be flexible with that cash. Uh, and it would it would help. I, I, the Bengals usually aren't that flexible with their cash stuff, but when you have a deal as big as what Burrow's probably getting, you might want to. So that's my Burrow take. is It's probably plenty of guaranteed. Probably definitely going to break the franchise record for guaranteed money at a signing. I would try to go for long term because you know he's the guy. You know he's the dude. Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess the situation that would suck is if he does the uh, the Andrew Luck there and retires at some point. And now you're. You got him on the books for like the next seven years or something like that, but I wouldn't worry about it. I think he's, I think he's that guy and he's got to stick around. It's getting hit less. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's going to be pretty heavy up front, honestly. Um, And, and maybe oh, it is. You think yeah. up front? I think it's backloaded. You think it's backloaded? Yeah, because they're probably going to want to play um, Tetris with him and Chase and Higgins to get the cap hits to hit at different points or something like that. I don't know. I think you backload it just because when you backload something, you can then extend the money and then spread that other money back out. Keep pushing the, kicking the can down the road. You end up with a, a Drew Brees end of saints type thing, but if you have a dynasty, who cares? Hey, and, and I think, I think Joe is one of those people and, and I, I, we're, we're pay player podcast that's how we feel get get the player paid that's what i care about and that's why you know i wish jesse bates the best when he goes and plays for his next team and he gets his bag in a few weeks or in a few months but with joe there is that topic of conversation will he do it like brady will he do it like patrick mahomes where you know it allows your team to pay other guys and he can kind of see the big picture with this franchise what they're doing he believes in zach taylor as their head coach so you have your head coach right now you have your wide receivers. Your defense is still has a lot of young guys on the other side of the ball. You have to feel good about where you're at right now. Yes, you want to make it to a Super Bowl and win, win a Super Bowl for this franchise. But I, I wonder if those conversations happen with him and he's thinking, I'm going to get paid. I, I want to get paid. I deserve every penny. But I also want to make sure that I still have my guys here too. Possibly. Um I do think the big reason Brady did that was he was married to somebody that made more money. That's than true. Him. That's true. He's, I mean, he's married to a superstar. So, or, I mean, she was making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like almost a billion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big reason. That's a bad comparison. That. But also, Hey, I don't know. Start taking up more ads, Joe. <laughs> Get your money elsewhere. They got to pay T and Chase and all these other guys. No, I, I mean, to me, what do you think, this is a little bit separate of a conversation, after Burrow, who are the must extends? Not like the guys you'd like to see extended or uh, guys you would want to extend, but who do you think are must extends on the team, core members of each side of the ball? It doesn't have to be the 2020 class? No, no, just for the future. 
I would say it's definitely Jamar Chase. Yeah, that's an easy one. And it was so easy. I went really. That was the free space on the bingo board. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, who, who do you think Joe would want this day? Now, hear me out. I played with <laughs> Drew <Bulls>. Sample. <laughs> Said that. I should have no, said. you're fine. Jamar Chase is the correct call. That's what I would have said first, too. Look, and I'm adding another offensive player. I'm so selfish right now. And here's the thing. I think if you can get a above average, you get to stay with above average offensive line, Joe's going to be fine in the NFL. Look, if you get a legit guy on this line, this guy could have Trent Irwin, Jamar Chase, and whoever else they bring up. I still believe in who they they draft. I think they're going to get an offensive weapon early in the um, NFL draft. You can get best player available still, but I will still. I, you might call me crazy. I think that they can they can find a way to keep T. Nope, that's what I was getting at. He'd be on my most extend list. I think the core of the offense should just be Joe, Jamar, and T, and you figure everything else out. Like Why not? to me, that's, that's what it is. It's you've got these three dudes and no matter what you have going on around it, you're going to be able to get a good offense out of that because nobody can guard both those guys with a smart quarterback like Burrow, in my opinion. Um, and I think the way Joe has played this season, especially later this season really raises the floor of an offensive line. He's been moving in the pocket. Well, he's been perfectly on time with his throws. You talk about two and a half seconds time to throw. He was the second fastest in the league after Tom Brady. All of that just helps your offensive line so much. The launch point is almost always identical. I think he got a little rattled in this chiefs game. He was still at like 2.55 time to throw. It was a little bit slow for him, I guess, over the past couple of weeks, but it was fine like that's that's good that's good time to throw that's not being confused that's just i feel like he just got a tiny bit rattled at points and he was able to calm himself down and come back because he's just very collected quarterback but yeah that's i'd sign those three and just figure it out that's my whole opinion here um i think you have young guys around that i think you can do reasonable deals to make everything else work you're gonna have to eventually start cutting corners uh but right now you sign those three and figure the rest out because that's just how you get the sustainable product of offense is to have uh, Joe Jamar and T in my opinion. Yeah. And you have to wonder with Jamar and T obviously these guys are going to get paid big money. They're two number one receivers with this offense and Joe is going to only help that case too. Um, if you know, you want to stay with this guy there, this, this is a team that can make it back to the Super Bowl. This is one of the best teams in the AFC. They can compete with the best team in the AFC. Look, they're three and one against the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is something to look back on what's what they've been able to do over the last couple of years. So kind of what that mindset's going to be looking like. I hate to get into it because T Higgins does have one more season here, at least. What scares me is the agent stuff. It just because same guy that Bates, it's the same guy. Sure. Um, I do think they're higher on T than they are Bates, and T stepped up when Jamar went out. I think that was, I think that could be what sells them on retaining T for the future. Is he was on a fifteen hundred yard pace when Jamar Chase was out. That's that's very good production. Uh, also, I agree with you that if you are T, maybe you want to stay with Burrow. I think at the end of the day, if the money is not even close, you you leave. But Man, when I see the teams that are cooking up these T Higgins trades, they're not good situations. It's like going to the Giants, and I'm just like, oh, boy. (laughs) Like, that is not where I want to see T Higgins. It's not the Chiefs that are cooking up these (laughs) these T Higgins hypotheticals to go play with Patrick Mahomes. It's to go play with Danny Dimes. 
So, yeah, I mean, I am, I'm not counting it out. I think there are a lot of people that look at that in the next couple of years. They're like, well, enjoy T while you have him. He's going to be gone and you're not going to be able to pay Jamar Chase. And, and we've mentioned it. The salary cap is only going to get higher. And this is why you get Joe done now. Uh, you don't want to be in a Lamar Jackson situation when the money's only going to get higher. And what if they go on another run next year? You want to get hit this guy under contract and then you worry about the other pieces around him. So I think that's important. The defensive side, that's where I struggle a little bit. Um, you know, some of these contracts you have from your free agents in 2020, those are going to be expiring soon. I think the guy that they get paid and who they're going to choose, which I've talked about on this podcast plenty of times when it comes to the linebacker situation is going to be Logan Wilson. But I wouldn't say that's one that it's like, you better do it or you're going to be completely lost. Yeah. My take on the defensive side is kind of, there isn't somebody you must pay. Mm -hmm. um, Logan Wilson's good linebacker play, you know, how it matters building the spine of the defense, like the Bengals have done matters but the reason sorry not the reason but their defense is just older like it's mm -hmm. guys you don't need to pay because Orusia is gonna be 30 when he's off his contract Reader's gonna be 30 something when he comes off his contract Hendrickson's gonna be nearing 30 when he's off his contract these guys just aren't guys that the Bengals typically pay Mike Hilton probably I think also close to 30 when he's off his contract like they they structured all those deals if, if these guys are coming off their contracts around the age of 30 some of that's gonna matter more than others I think um some positions you know the, the cliff is nearer than others uh but yeah i i don't think there's a single guy on defense that you need to pay like my order of guys would be burrow then chase then higgins and then i guess wilson i don't know i'm really into i haven't done all my research yet i've been kind of looking at when does a nose tackle drop off because i know vince wolfork played forever and he was still effective even in Houston. So I'm real quick looking at it. Um, I don't think I'm done looking it up. I just looked up a bunch of nose tackles. <laughs> Check. Uh, when did they start dipping? And Vince Wolfert, he, he went from like elite to good around 32 and then dipped around again around 35. Damata Pecco, he didn't really dip till he was about 35 years old. Nada around 32. Casey Hampton around 33. Uh, Jay Ratliff around 31. Sean Rogers around 31. B.J. Raji retired at 29, but he was injured. Um, Tony Siragusa never really dipped. He, he played till he was 34. So it's like, in my mind, maybe I'm talking myself into it because he's one of my favorite players. It's just, yes. I think about extending DJ. I he, There's no dip in play. He's had injuries and he keeps bouncing back. I don't know if you do some type of big guarantee type deal, but I'm not opposed to keep him around because I think that is a position. You think you the trenches and the interior of the trenches specifically feels like they age well um that could be a bad take but look at jason kelsey he's having maybe his best season of his career he's like <laughs> he's closer to 40 than he is 30 i think well that's the thing about jason kelsey and when it comes to super bowl i think everybody needs a jason kelsey super bowl parade again and i'm really hoping he gets i'm hoping they win next week i think he's, his, he's oh my god his speech after the eagles won the first time First off, it's incredible. But my favorite line and <laughs> was he was talking about all the guys that were doubted. And he said something like, Lane can't stay off the juice. <laughs> I died when I heard that. I was like, oh my God. And Lane I mean, stayed off the juice since then. He's been incredible too. Lane Johnson, best right tackle in football, and they have the best center in football. And I think they're both over 30, and Kelsey's yeah. 36 plus. 
I'm looking it up real quick. Nick didn't Nick didn't do me a solid. Wait, wait, what the Kelsey age? And that's that was, and I'll be that was, Jason Kelsey is the better Kelsey coach. Thirty five. Jason that? is Jason is the better Kelsey in my opinion. Not when it comes to the position of play. I just think I just like I think he's I think he's funny. I think he's hilarious, and I love watching him succeed in the NFL this late in his career. Uh, but we'll go back to DJ Reader. I think you bring up a good point, and this is where it kind of falls in that scenario of playing with Joe Burrow. Because if you remember when DJ Reader had the offers, I want to say the Broncos were the one of the teams, and Cincinnati was yeah. the other team that was kind of coming down to the final two. And I remember hearing him call his mom and say, look, am I going to play with this quarterback or am I going to go play with Joe Burrow? Knowing that the Bengals were going to draft Joe Burrow. He was picked up in March and that was what was going to happen in April. And I think that that was really telling because one of the things about this team right now and how close they are, and of course that could change over years. And when you lose, it's not so, it's not fun. Uh, but but the way they've been winning and, and you've mentioned it, the way DJ Reader, look, he's been injured in his seasons in Cincinnati, but he always finds a way to come back. Um, I agree. I think that's another one, and, and maybe it's nothing crazy when it comes to the extension, but you find a way to bring that guy back, and maybe he says, hey, this is fun in Cincinnati, and I want to figure out a way to stay here. And, yes, money is extremely important for NFL players. You should get paid. I feel like they're all underpaid with some of these contracts and what they put their body through. Um, but that's – yeah, it was wild because he was kind of in my head over Logan, and I think they're going to extend <laughs> Logan, and that's so silly. They're definitely extending Logan. I don't know if they're extending DJ just because of the age, but yeah, yeah that that's I don't know. That's where I am on the, on the defensive side. It's like DJ Reader is way up there on like who I would at least offer like two years, three years to just something maybe you can get out of okay if you need to. But when I'm looking at it, it's like he's so important to the defense because of what he allows them to do. I know people are probably yelling right now it's like the run game isn't that important which kind of is but you know we'll just take that what he does by being such a good run stopper is allows you to add more resources to the pass coverage so he's actually affecting the passing game as well i think this is something that some teams are kind of falling into the idea of i think that's why the eagles were into taking jordan davis because they said jordan davis allows us to add more resources it's a game of resource management a little bit here. Do you add to the run or do you add to the pass? If you want to play two guys over the top, not allow anything deep, you better have a good run stopping nose tackle type in there that can take both the a gaps and really do a solid job at that. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the DJ reader right now uh, as an extension candidate. I don't think a lot of people are going to be fully into that. If you uh, hate that, my, my Twitter handle is at Joe Goodberry. Uh, at Jake Lisko. At Jake Lisko. <laughs> NFL. I think there's an NFL in there. I'm not sure. Uh, just tag both. Tag both Jake Lisko and Jake Lisko NFL. Just <laughs> say do you hate the, you heard on the podcast. Say I heard on your guys' podcast. I heard on your guys' podcast. <laughs> Especially that for Joe Kipuru doesn't have a podcast. Please. Hey, Please. Joe, I heard on your podcast you tried to talk about DJ Reader's extension. I hate that. Now, if you like the idea, it's Bengals underscore sand to say, wow, that's a really smart thing. I like that you went through some nose tackles and looked at when they dipped off and play. If you're a true listener, you better do that. I better see it on my timeline on Wednesday tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
see the retweet from Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko saying, what are you talking about? He never They'll just said ignore that. it. They'll just ignore it. <laughs> be like, I don't know what this person, this, this is an insane person. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now I need that. I need that. Please do that, Bengals fans, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I promise I didn't mean to make this about contracts, 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 but there is one more guy I want to bring up and then we're going to move on to the craziness of NFL coaching hires and what it means for the Cincinnati Bengals next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. One more guy I want to bring up, and look, it's the day before February 1st, so there's plenty of time to talk about free agents and draft picks and what this team is going to do. I hope it's a very active offseason when we finally get there in the spring. But Joe Mixon, he, this team normally doesn't do the restructure of the contracts. Joe has Mm -hmm. said plenty of times, I feel like even over the last few weeks, that he wants to be in Cincinnati and obviously likes what they're doing here. If you're Joe Mixon, and do you think this front office will kind of change their ways when it comes to restructuring a contract? And if you're Joe Mixon, what's a fair number to restructure it to? Would it have to be an extension? Does it only have like one more year? Yeah, but I, I want to say this one's this. heavy. I want to say this year's this is a little heavier this year. And if you look at the production side, yes. Joe was their right. number one. But you have Samaj P. Ryan. He wasn't off. in the Chiefs game because they fell behind. I think that's the big deal. Um, so 2024 is the last year of his deal. It looks like it's basically a club option. So maybe you could spread the cap hit i don't know it is a 12 million dollar 12.7 million dollar cap hit um this season with only 5.5 dead cap if they cut him and then next year it's more like 13 and 2 so i think i think they're going to try to keep him around but i honestly don't i haven't read the tea leaves on this that well i don't know like I, I don't have that good of a feel for it like my gut says this team usually likes to keep players like mixing around he was their number one running back the entire season the only reason he didn't play more snaps in the championship game is because they fell behind early and he's not good in pass protection so they just go to samaji pirine who's very good in pass protection who samaji pirine also a free agent we'll see yes. about that i have no idea i don't know what his market would be though like I feel like you could just get him back for cheap if you want. Um, Mixon, though, I think he has a market. <laughs> I always think back to when Bill Belichick said he's the best running back in the league. Now I keep thinking, like, there's going to be another Bengal that goes to the Patriots after, <laughs> uh, just like Corey Dillon, we're in 28. So I think of that. I think he has a market just because of who he was. He was ranked as a top five running back in the front office coaches ESPN poll in this offseason. He didn't have the season anybody expected, but I think there is nuance there with an ankle injury early on and then another injury <laughs> later, uh, which you could also just be worried about because he's a 27-year-old running back with two injuries like that in one year. But, yeah, I think they try to keep him. Maybe it's an, a restructure. I feel like he might know he's a cut candidate. And because of that, you can give him less money because he's probably not going to hit $13 million on the open market. I know he has a market. I don't think he hits that much. 
So maybe you can get it down to like what around what a fair deal would be. And he stays in Cincinnati. I think he wants to stay in Cincinnati. And um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the leaders of the team. That's why I don't think they just straight up cut him. I think they're going to try to work something out. But I could also see it. I could also see them being a little bit ruthless there and cutting him and just drafting somebody to save money. And that's where I think you, I, I, I almost trust them a little bit when it comes to maybe it is somebody you draft and pick up, or I, I just don't see this team signing a free agent outside of if they can find Samaje P Ryan for cheap to bring back. I don't yeah. see them kind of making a big splash in the running back room. No teams really ever do that anymore. And I don't blame them, especially if they're like, we're going to move on from Joe Mixon and want to just keep him at that point. Um, I just wonder if we see something different and I don't want to criticize the front office because they've done a lot of things different over the last three years just restructuring contracts isn't something that i see them do but maybe this is a different year for that when you are getting your extension with joe burrow said and you are thinking about some other players that you plan on extending um we talked about it on sunday's podcast i feel von bell hayden hurst um we mentioned samaj p ryan are going to be some of the guys that they bring back and who knows if eli apple is a cornerback that they bring back for depth if he's okay being uh, i would say a backup cornerback he was trending that way already. They were going to start Cam Taylor Britta room before Nanouzier got hurt. And so they were starting tandem all year. I am okay with the idea of bringing Eli Apple back because, much like Samaj P. Ryan, what's the market? <laughs> I don't, it seems like nobody else likes Eli Apple as a person. Like, at least with P. Ryan, they're probably like, well, I mean, you know, he seems like a good dude. <laughs> like, I don't want the headache. And he's not, they don't like, uh, you know, whatever. I think he comes with a little, you know, a little bit of bust stink from his early days but he's been fine in Cincinnati I'm perfectly fine keeping him I think he would be a great fourth corner uh maybe you even draft somebody and now you've got two guys there but I don't know I feel like I feel like I'd I'd try at least a little bit to bring Eli Apple back I wouldn't I wouldn't try my hardest but <laughs> you know like I'm not I'm not giving him you know like more than five million a year I think like I'd probably do less than that especially if he's going to be a backup. You can, but Eli Apple and Swazi Piran are two guys that I think you can go like, yeah, go ahead and test free agency. Here's our offer. And mm -hmm. uh, you go ahead and test free agency. And if you can find someone better, that's fine. But if you can't, this is a home. Yeah, I, I do. I think he's going to be one you bring back on a pretty easy contract. The, the only one I could think of with Eli Apple having a market is if Luana Rumo gets a head coaching job somewhere because he likes him. So if he gets that Arizona job, does does he bring Apple with him to Arizona? Because they don't really have great outside corners. He'd probably start. He, he would. I mean, it's, you look in this league and there's some bad secondaries out there. And when it comes to the cornerback room, look, Cheeto's going to be coming back off his injury. Yes, he did have his ACL tear in October. So maybe he's had plenty of time to rehab. Those are whole different ball games um, in the NFL now, especially if it happens kind of the midway point of the season. You get Cam Taylor Britt out there, who I'm just pumped about. I listened to Cam Taylor Britt today on uh, the Kay Adams podcast. And the things that that guy is just, he's, he's hilarious and funny. He's trash and digs. I hope he's able to back this up because that maybe the Eli Apple mentorship isn't perfect. <laughs> maybe Stephon Diggs said something on the field that we just don't know about because both of them. So this is stupid, but I did hear on, um, I don't remember if it was Pat McAfee or what Luana Rumo did a, an interview somewhere and he did basically say something like, yeah, we try to find somebody that we think 
won't like it when we get physical and you know say some stuff to them try to throw them off their game so i'm wondering if that's what they meant is they tried to say some stuff to stefan Diggs. stefan Diggs probably reacted and now they don't like each other corners and wide receivers i don't know if any of them really like each other that much other than trevon and stefan Diggs because they're brothers that's it that's all you got i mean <laughs> you think back to when like jalen ramsey would talk about anybody it was just like they're all garbage richard sherman the famous one <laughs> sorry yeah. receiver no, I, I agree with you. I kind of like it. I know other teams, the way they feel about Eli Apple, but I feel like he just fits here. It's just, it's his home. Um, I, I don't know where else he would go. As you mentioned, if Lou and Rumo somewhere else, if he goes to Arizona and gets the job, that's probably his uh, next spot for Eli Apple. Depending on. Do you want to quickly talk about Anarumo and the other guys? Looks? We haven't really talked about it. We haven't. Louis I took my victory lap too early about not thinking they would get many interviews. So we're down to two job openings right now, and yep. it is the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. And I would much rather be the Colts head coach. Continue. Oh, 100%. Why would you want to <laughs> <laughs> look at Arizona? I'm just like, this is a disaster. <laughs> I mean, that's a mess, and I feel bad for Kyler Murray. Like, this guy's like, I, I'm going to take my time coming back I, from this country. I would have rather gone to Arizona than Denver. Yes. Good luck, Sean Payton. That whole thing is a question mark to waste that many picks when you waste I mean, first, picks. <laughs> when you waste first round and second round picks on someone who's never going to even step on the field. That just is he's got to be Andy Reid when he steps on the field, though. Like when he steps on the outside of the field, <laughs> he's got to be like be able to construct an offense out of a box of scraps in a cave. Well, I saw something today and they're like, if he can't fix Russell Wilson, nobody can. And I just don't have that much faith in Sean Payton. Look, I could be completely wrong and maybe I... he can turn it around. I don't have faith in Russell Wilson. No, not at all. But the thing is, here we are again. The AFC West, all of the Chargers, they showed they can make the playoffs being injured. I don't, here we are. I don't think they're going to hype up the AFC West this year. You I think they learned their lesson. You, you can hype up the Chargers. Sure, why not? Yeah. They made the playoffs. Sure. But they'll always get in their own way, I feel like, at the end of the day. um, I, I just, yeah, you you can't. I mean, honestly, you can't dealt the Chiefs right now. They are the defending. They're going to be the AFC champs right now. So yes. I think, but yes. The two opening openings. Lou Rumo did have the interview that happened really quickly after the loss. He's got his second interview too, doesn't he? Or no, just one? Uh, that is actually Brian Callahan, who's on his okay. second interview. Just Callahan has a second mm -hmm. interview. Callahan has two interviews with the Colts, and Peyton Manning likes him. This is uh, orange level danger zone, I think, with him. They could. That's a real, very realistic hire, I think. But I think it's telling inside the Bengals organization where they could have had a feeling when Dan Pitcher had his interview with the Tampa Bay Bucks that like, hey, look, we want our OC to be someone who's already been working with Joe Burrow and helping when it comes to calling the plays. And Dan Pitcher's a big part of that. I thought he would be the internal hire to be the OC. And if they have the reports of Ian Rappaport did say it before the playoff game that they gave him a lucrative extension. And that was probably more of a conversation like, look, Brian's probably out the door. He has a second interview with the Colts it, after the it could, it could even be if not this year he's probably gone next year so mm -hmm. you are going to be the office do you want to be the office coordinator in Tampa or do you want to be the office coordinator in Cincinnati in a year or two I don't know that's basically what I think that whole thing I mean, came down to well uh, it's an easy decision if you're Dan Pitcher you're like oh Joe Burrow to I don't really know what's going to happen in Tampa 100% I'd rather play that play it safe and, and stay in Cincinnati but I think when you are choosing between the two your OC and your DC. 
I'm again, selfish on this. Love Brian Callahan to say he is a huge part of, you know, the development of Joe Burrow in this offense. But if I had to choose, please bring Lou Anarumo back. At least let us have one more year and run it back with Lou Anarumo. And I think it's the more likely one too to stay. I think that one's threat level yellow. <laughs> Thinking all the threat levels. Red's bad. Red's very bad. I think Brian Callahan is nearing red, <laughs> uh, but he's orange still to me. Lewin was yellow, just like a curious, like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I guess I could see it. I don't think they will, but I, I could see it. It's not impossible. Um, and that's the only that's the only one with him. So Callahan, I think that he just has indie connections. Like he didn't coach in Indianapolis, but he coached in Denver with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning likes him a lot. And Peyton Manning has a lot of say in that organization still. And then we probably want to go over the other Troy Walters wide receiver coach had an interview with the Texans to be their offensive coordinator, which is funny to me because that's probably my backup choice for uh, the in-house Bengals <laughs> offensive coordinator job. Um, yeah. That's uh, if they, I don't think they will, but like, man, if they lost all those guys, that's a huge brain drain in one off season. That's a lot. That's a lot. I, I think Brian Callahan feels like the more likely one to leave. And I do. I 100% I see that happening. It's a second interview. You're getting the second interview. It's thing. a wide net too, though. Like the Colts have interviewed a lot of guys more than once. Yeah. So this isn't like uh he's down to like two options. It's Brian Callahan or some dude. <laughs> I haven't paid attention. I just know that I see every name that's available connected to the Colts. The Colts are going to be one of those teams that just waits until the very last minute out of all of them. They're just going to be like, you know what? We've had, we, we had an early start. We had Jeff Saturday. They interviewed Jeff Saturday twice for this head coaching he's job. He's a third one. I think he just I likes, mean, hang, I think Ursa just likes to hang out with them. He's just like, this is going to be an official interview. And then just pop open a bottle of whiskey and hang out. I, I was like, I'm rooting for it. Yeah, please make Jeff Saturday your head coach. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, we've said it before. This is this is good news when your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator are getting these interviews. It means your team is playing really well. Um, I do think there's a lot of good internal assistance inside the Bengals organization. It does make you think if that happens with Brian, Brian Callahan and you move Dan Pitcher to the OC, who the quarterback coach is, who you pull up, pull off from the outside, what that's going to look like, because it's an extremely important hire for your franchise quarterback so those conversations we could be having in a week or two or maybe even tomorrow because it's been pretty head coach heavy hires over the last few days but yeah I think Troy Walters is one that this wide receiver group absolutely adores and loves one of the things about Troy I remember during the Super Bowl pregame he was out running routes with the group just kind of they're all getting loose out there and um, I truly think he is another important part of this offense when you think of these weapons yes when you have Tyler Boyd and you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins it's pretty nice uh, for, for a coach, but, um, you know, hoping he could stay. But again, he's going to get a promotion if he goes to the Texans and it is well-deserved for him. So I do. I think out of all of them, I think Lou's going to come back and that would just be absolutely huge for this team to bring him back because you're still not losing a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not trying to, you know, talk about the impact of Jesse Bates because he's huge on and off the field for this defense, but it's it's not terrible. Yeah. Um, Lou Anarumo is the type that can uh, build a great defense with a box of scraps in a cave. So I would like to bring him back because I think he gets the most out of those guys. If Brian Callahan gets this job in Indianapolis, do you think he takes somebody like Walters with him? Do you think that's a big possibility? Because I feel like he has a lot of connections, I think. But I wouldn't be surprised if 
he brought Walters as his offensive corner, like the Bengals promote pitcher, but then they need to fill a quarterback and wide receiver coach. No, that's a really good point. You work that closely with this offense and, you know, maybe, maybe that is, you know, behind the scenes connection for the two of them, the OC and the wide receiver coach. So yeah, maybe that's a possibility. We'll see. I feel like these, after the last few weeks, the hiring has gone uh, pretty quickly because the postseason is dying down and I feel like it's all going to be wrapped up soon. I want it to be wrapped up soon. I want to focus on free agency, the NFL draft, kind of more of those moves. The senior bowl is really huge for this, uh, this team. They, they've really been able to find, you know, a few good guys in, in those games. So, you know, what happens there, who they see when it comes to talent, I can't believe I'm excited about the draft talk. I can't believe I even just said that. Sorry. I apologize in advance. It's a long time. It is. It's in April, right? Is it April or first week of May this year? I'm I'm saying April, and uh, I will check that for you. We'll stick to it. We'll stick to April. We'll stick to April when the NFL draft is is coming up. But that's where we're at now. Honestly, I feel like there's still you know extremely important decisions. We've talked about all the contracts, possibilities that can happen. I still feel like they're going to be pretty active. April, April draft. Um, maybe. <laughs> Maybe they do make a splash. And I just, I mean, yeah, I, I could see it happening. I think maybe it's more on the defensive side. And the thing about the NFL draft is you just got to hit a few of those positions when it comes to the future because, you know, they're not going to be able to pay everyone. But on this podcast, you heard it here first. We feel good about the T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow, and then figure the rest out. I'll be pretty upset if they don't resign Higgins, which is the one that is the big possibility there. I just do think that you can – you can raise the floor and ceiling of an offense so much. I guess I've been wide receiver pilled about you get those two dudes and it's just astronomical production. And you will never, I don't think you'll ever have a bad offense. Like at worst, you'll always be pretty good. And at best you'll be what they are now, like top five, three, somewhere in there. Number one and five in the wide receiver room. I love everything about T. Higgins changing into number five next year. That's going to look – I don't know why the number change is going to make him look even better than he already is. I like the 85, but I also do think the 85 is a little bit weird. But Eifert wore it forever, so it's yeah. like it's kind of almost a legacy number. Um, it's kind of cool to have that for a little bit. Yeah, he's going to be his own guy, number five out there. Uh, but plenty of stuff. Again, we're going to be podcasting two times a week. We'll have a mailbag later this week. We'll put it out on Twitter. You can follow Mike Santagata, Bengals underscore stands at LNDS Patterson. You said you're taking the week off when it comes to writing, but next week you are back. What do you think is going to be up there next week? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Like, That's no okay. clue. Crazy things could happen by this time next week. So who knows? It feels too early. Like the next logical step in my mind is to just start writing draft reports. And then I'm like, it feels too early. It feels too early. Like nobody wants to read those right now. So what do I write about? I don't know. We'll we'll see. Might even have to take another week off just so I feel okay when I finally start writing things. If I figure something out, hey, at Bengals underscore Sands, you got an idea for me? Let me know. And I could possibly do that. But as of this moment, I am very much in a... Yeah, that's fine. I think a lot of Bengals fans just need about another week and then they'll be back to normal and all in off-season mode. But as always, thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.